0: Good evening church family. I greet you in the name of Christ. Thank you for joining me for this very last session of Women of the Bible Speak. This has been an absolutely wonderful study. I've gotten so much out of it. Uh, You have reached out and have shared some Uh, good uh, commentary and good things with me uh, regarding this uh, book. And and again, let me just uh, say this. I, I invite you to buy this book and have it in your library. It is Uh, so so worth it Uh, let me open up with a word of prayer and we will get right into our last session heavenly father in the name of jesus christ oh god uh, in just a moment we will uh, experience two women who were witnesses Uh, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord, how valuable that is, how uh, nourishing, spiritually nourishing uh, that uh, good news is. Bless uh, this last study, Lord, of women of the Bible speak. I I pray, Lord, that this book, this study, Lord, um, has been and continue, uh, and it will continue to be a blessing, Lord, to those who Pick this book up, and for those who uh, watch uh, these video sessions, bless, Lord, our time together, and we ask this in Jesus' holy name, amen. Okay, so Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene, witnesses to the Gospels. Let me, excuse me, offer some scripture text for us uh, this evening, Uh, firstly with Mary, the mother of Jesus we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew first chapter verses 18 through chapter 2 verse 23 and then we'll scoot over to the Gospel of Luke the first chapter verses 26 through 56 and then chapter 2 of Luke verses 1 through 52. Chapter 8 of the Gospel of Luke, verses 19 through 21. And then we're going to jump over to the Gospel of John, the second chapter, verses 1 through 12. And then chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. Okay, a little bit of... uh, context here. The most famous woman in the Bible may, in some ways, be the woman we know the least about. Who were her parents? How and where was she raised? What was it about her that made God decide that this young woman would be, in quotes, blessed among women? We know her story so well that some of its most startling facts may not seem so unusual to us. But take a closer look, Shannon says, with fresh eyes, and just imagine for a moment what young Mary must have experienced. Now in learning about Mary, the Mary of Bethlehem with the shepherds and the wise men and the baby Jesus, one good way to understand her is to look at who she was not only at the beginning, but also at the end of her exhilarating and heartbreaking journey. After Jesus was crucified, was resurrected, and then ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives, the disciples went back into the city, and they entered that upper room where they had gathered before. But this time, they weren't huddled in fear. This time, they were armed with an invisible promise of the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to turn now to the book of Acts, the first chapter. Verses 13b and 14. It says this, Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and they were all gathered or joined together constantly in prayer and along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Acts 1, 13b and 14. Now Mary's presence there at the heart of the first church, in that room with his disciples, tells us many important things, including, as we covered in the Mary and Martha chapter, that women continued to be crucial in the early Christian community. This might not seem strange to us, but in first century Judea, the idea of women being a part of a rabbi's group of wandering disciples was absolutely unthinkable. Already, the first Christian community was looking very different from the world surrounding it. So where Christians were gathered in watchful prayer, there was Mary praying with them. And of course in the days after the resurrected Jesus left them, the waiting prayer they were doing in that room, waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit, waiting for the great sign that Jesus had promised them, was exactly the kind of prayer that that Mary had been modeling her whole life. Her entire relationship with God had been one of waiting for His promises to be fulfilled, even when they seemed impossible by human standards. Who better than she to model for Jesus' disciples what true prayerful waiting looked like? Her prayer with the disciples in those unsettled days was the result of a lifelong commitment to God's plans even when they didn't align with her own. As we do, we must have grown in faith over the years, watching her son's ministry and more fully internalizing his purpose, which takes us back to where she started with great humility and patience. Not long after she had been visited by the angel Gabriel, who came with the message that Mary would bear the Savior of the world, we hear her declaration of the mighty goodness of God. And I'm reading now from Luke 1, verses 46 through 55. It says, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So, think about it in this way. Mary was an evangelist with a very personal mission. She knew great truths about God. A God who chose a humble girl from a backwater Roman province to bring his son to redeem humanity. This was God stepping inside the course of human history, joining the story of humanity in order to save it. Jesus' arrival would be revolutionary. Knowing what she did, Mary would never see the world the same way again. And she didn't keep his knowledge to herself. She proclaimed it. Well said there. Now, in between these two poles of Mary's life, Gabriel's visit and Jesus' ascension into heaven, we see that even she didn't know how her son's life would, in fact, play out. She, too, was caught off guard at times, always confident in who he was, but not always in on the game plan. From the earliest days of his life, Mary and Joseph were often on the run, first from Herod, the king who was determined to snuff out Jesus' young life. This threat sent them to Egypt for escape and later led them to Nazareth. But along the way, Mary received holy confirmation of the greater plan. Luke 2 tells us the story of a righteous and devout man named Simeon. Mary and Joseph met him in Jerusalem in the temple courts, where they had taken Jesus to be consecrated according to custom. Simeon had had been promised he would not die before he saw the Messiah. Watch as he sees Jesus. This comes from Luke 2, 28-32. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. And then moving over to uh, some other uh, good information here. All too often Christians fall into the mistake of thinking that our journey will always be filled with delight, right? Mary knew better. The grief and sorrow and pain we experience in this life are very real, and we aren't called to ignore or suppress them. Mary's life, grounded in prayer and patience, showed the early Christians that the only road to lasting joy was often through sorrow and prayerful waiting for God. There was no other road to the resurrection but through the cross, And Mary's life leads us directly there. Now, of all the resurrection experiences that Scripture records for us, Jesus' meeting with his mother is not one of them. What Mary and Jesus said to each other, we cannot know. But it must have been filled with deep joy that transcends temporary circumstances. We can imagine that Mary, the Mary whose song of praise denounced the God who changed Everything, by sending His Son to walk among us, may have had plenty of poetry to pour out upon seeing Jesus resurrected. And finally, the Bible does not record any words of Mary at the resurrection or even after the ascension. But there she remains, at the heart of the early church, her prayer sustaining the Apostles. As we are each equipped differently, so was Mary. Her way was unlike the public preaching of Peter or the bold proclamation of Mary Magdalene. Hers was a quieter way, but a deeply joyful one, informed by both crushing misery and unspeakable bliss. And, as with the other women we meet in this book, Each is assigned a critical role in the story of salvation. As we now take up the challenge to share the gospel, may we each, like Mary, use our own gifts to declare His glory. Now, let me transition over to Mary Magdalene and offer some text here for us. Uh, The first is the Gospel of Matthew the 27th chapter, verses 55 through 56. And then the Gospel of Mark, the 15th chapter, verse 40. Mark, the 16th chapter, verse 9. And then the Gospel of Luke, the 8th chapter, verse 2 and 3. And then the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter, verses 11 through 18. Now one of the challenges we find in the New Testament is this. A lot of beloved characters share the name Mary. It can be difficult to keep them straight. Most scholars think the list looks something like this. found this interesting. There was Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary Magdalene, Mary of Bethany, the sister of Martha, Mary the mother of James and Joseph from Mark 15:40, there was Mary the mother of John Mark in Acts 12:12 12, 12, and Mary of Clopas, identified as the sister-in-law of Mary the mother of Jesus in John 19:25. A lot of Marys. Now the name Miriam from which the name Mary derives, calls to mind the great woman of faith who, with her brother Moses, led the people of Israel out of bondage. Mary was clearly at the top of the baby name list for first century Judea. It might have had something to do with the fact that at the time the Roman Roman province of Judea was a completely occupied nation an unwilling part of the vast Roman Empire. Roman troops were stationed in almost every major city and quite a few towns and villages. The Jewish people resisted when and where they could, and in the decades after Jesus' death and resurrection, they would lead two major revolts against Roman rule. Samarium, or Marium in the Aramaic, translated in three primary ways. Bitterness, Beloved, and Rebellion. So, it makes sense that in a time when people were yearning for liberation, the name would have, in fact, been a very popular one. Now, in all of the Gospels, we learn of the devotion and dedication of the Mary who came from the fishing town of Magdalena. Mary the Magdalene, or Magdalene, excuse me, that she is mentioned in all four Gospels suggests she was an important part of Jesus' life and story. Luke tells us that Mary and the other women helped to support them out of their own means, from Luke 8.3. Luke also shares an explosive detail. This was the Mary out of whom had come seven demons, Luke 8, 2. Jesus makes the point several times in his ministry that the one who has experienced the greatest forgiveness will love the most. And Mary appears to have loved Jesus with passionate devotion. In all four Gospels, she is a witness to his crucifixion. And in John, she is the first witness to the miracle of his resurrection. The resurrection account in John is the most detailed and tells us the most about Mary. It reveals the resurrection to us in stages as the disciples struggle to understand exactly what's happened. John tells us that early on, on that first Easter Sunday morning, Mary was among the women who went to the tomb in crippling grief, only to discover that the stone covering the entrance had been rolled away. Stunned, she didn't even stick around to investigate, but immediately ran back to the disciples to let them know about this shocking development, blurting out, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put Him. John 20, 2. Also, in the Bible, the use of the name is the single most powerful way to establish a connection here, the name Mary. Moses, God calls from the burning bush in Exodus. Saul... Saul, Jesus calls out to Paul on the road to Damascus. When he wanted to establish his covenant, God not only called Abraham by name, but gave him a new name, as he also did Jacob. Imagine hearing the God of the universe call your name. To be known and seen by him is to be loved unconditionally. And that is what Mary encountered at the tomb. Instead of calling him by name, the Bible tells us that Mary called him teacher. But there's even more to it. Rabboni, which means not just teacher, but my teacher. And in this one word, we see the foundations of Mary's relationship to Jesus. She acknowledged him as a teacher and master, But this doesn't fully describe their bond. To admit that Jesus is the teacher is to see only part of the equation. He needs to be our teacher, one with whom we actually have a two-way relationship. Rabboni was a title of affection, almost the equivalent of my dear teacher. In response to Jesus calling her by name, she called him by the most descriptive title available. What else did Mary do? Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus said to her from John 20, 17, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and and your God. Now it appears that Mary's first reaction when she met a risen Lord was to reach for Him, to touch Him in fact. Put another way, to cling to Him. She didn't stop to ask questions or to wonder how it was that this thing was happening. She didn't do anything but reach for Him to embrace Him. As I imagine most of us would do in such an astounding circumstance. Now, for observant Jews, casual contact between men and women, however innocent, was just not allowed. It would have been expected for Jesus as a rabbi to forbid most women from touching him, much less embracing him. In many ways, though, he had disregarded the cultural norms that separated him from ministering to people in more personal ways. It seems Mary didn't hesitate to reach out to him as if she knew it was permissible. Jesus stopped her embrace only because his glorified body was something very different and new. found that very interesting and and thought-provoking there. A couple of uh, closing thoughts here. What intersection point is there between the life of Mary and of that other, even more famous Mary, the mother of Jesus? What can we see when we hold their two lives next to each other? These two Marys inhabited the same time and place, following Jesus in His earthly ministry. They were there at the crucifixion, but their stories were wildly different Before they arrived at that same faithful place, where Mary of Nazareth inhabited her faith from the time she was a young girl, Mary of Magdalena, Magdala, excuse me, went through a harrowing path to faith by being released from demon possession. Even though they were such different personalities, Mary of Nazareth and Mary of Magdala must have spent a great deal of time together. Years, perhaps, of traveling with Jesus. Perhaps they were the leaders among the women who followed him, providing encouragement and modeling a way that women, too, could follow the Master. Now, what would it mean for us if we lived our lives in this way? What if we spent our lives drinking in Christ's teaching, following his path, living it out in the daily busyness of life? What if we supported his mission and his message in our faithful devotion and focus? It would not be a life of ease or peace at all. In fact, it might force us to a path of conflict and sorrow, but it's in those most harrowing valleys that our faith comes to life, as the Marys found, at a time when women were not too often vaunted members of society. Jesus' unconditional love for them was pure and steady as it is for us today. So to live as they did, including living those horrible moments at the foot of the cross, would be to live a life of deepest reward. It led them to the indescribable joy of the resurrection even. So, as we navigate this earthbound life of valleys and mountaintops, we too can look forward to the day we hear Jesus say, Our name with infinite tenderness and compassion. He is calling to us even now, His beloved children, until the glorious day we will see Him face to face. The women of the Bible speak. That concludes session uh, eight and uh, this, uh, this book study. Church, what I would like to do is to uh, break from a, a book Bible study for the rest of the summer. Pick uh, something back up uh, in the fall when we reinstate uh, Wow our our Wednesday evening study and and supper. Uh, I will continue with Manna. So be looking for that each and every Wednesday at noon. Uh, it's been a great um, a great study as have all of the studies so far. Uh, this year. So thank you for tuning in, for taking notes, for uh, being interested uh, in this study. I think it brings us one step uh, closer to uh, the very presence of God. So appreciate your, your attention there. Let me close with a word of prayer, and then we will go forth. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, what, what a blessing, what a pleasure it is to get into your word, Lord, for uh, the women of the Bible do speak. They speak to us uh, today. They will speak to us tomorrow. Uh, your word uh, speaks to us, Lord, and the women of the Bible uh, play a huge role in that so lord i pray that we always have a a yearning desire lord to be in your word to know your word to memorize your word and to apply your living word to our lives lord bless our church bless those who are watching lord at these sessions about women of the bible speak in all things lord we give you the thanks the honor and the glory and we ask this now in Jesus' holy and blessed name. Amen. Church, you have a wonderful evening. Take care. God bless you and thank you for joining me in this study. Have a good night.